Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start a reading there in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4. Title of the sermon this morning is Why No Revival? Definitely it's needed. Why are we not experiencing revivals in the church? Why is it that uh, we're not seeing great changes within our churches? Why no revival? Look there with me in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to them that needeth. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to be used edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I, I confess to you this morning that I have sinned against you. Not against mankind, but I have sinned against a holy, righteous God. And as I confess them, my desire, my uh, all that I am, desire to be at your throne of grace this morning. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that Satan be barred from this place, that I I pray that God the Holy Spirit move in the midst of God's people, seeking and searching in every heart into the darkest places of our heart. And reveal to us your message through your word this morning. I pray that Jesus Christ be exalted that you would be pleased with uh, Calvary Baptist Church this morning. You do a great and mighty work beyond what anyone could expect. You do something in me, Lord, through your word this morning that I can't do with my own power. You move. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you would use me as your spokesman. I pray that you would move me aside, that I would be effortless, that you would move through me. And Lord, if there's things that I've planned on saying through the studying of this passage that you don't want said, that you remove them from my mind. But Lord, if there's things that I need to say that you would reveal them to me through God's, uh, the Holy Spirit moving upon me, I pray for anointing this morning in your word and upon me as I preach it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I ask these things. Amen. Why no revival? Well, you see, revival, where there's a big uh, misunderstanding about what revival is, people think that revival, we go out and we just start asking everybody to come to revival. 
We ask everybody to come to Calvary Baptist Church. We're having revival, and we're going to get to see uh, lost people saved, and praise God for that. But I'm going to tell you what it really is. Revival is not for the lost. You see, they're dead in their trespasses. They've got to get alive before they can get revived. It, revival is for God's people. And I tell you, over the last week and a half, I've prayed, and I, I'm going to be here nine years come uh, July. And I'm more excited about what God's going to do through Calvary Baptist Church in the upcoming days as I was when I got here. I'm excited about what God's going to do as He transforms us, that as He moves in the hearts and the lives of people at Calvary Baptist Church, that we're going to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited this morning to stand behind God's pulpit and give the battle cry, Revival! Lord, revive us at Calvary. Revival is a spiritual awakening for God's people. Revival is to wake God's people up to where we will absolutely make Jesus Christ Lord of everything in our lives. That we'll say, I will not hold on to one possession. I will not hold on to one red sin. I will not hold on to this and I will not hold on to that. Because it's given me by the mighty hand of God. He owns it. I'll give it for His glory. That's what it'll take for revival. We as God's people can get in a rut, a spiritual rut. Amen? We see it all through God's Word. We can get spiritually down. We see that in the churches of the book of Revelation uh, where they, they come in and then they've forgotten their first love. They're in that spiritual rut. We see where they, uh, the uh, doctrines being taught, the church, they just won't stand up against it. They're in a spiritual Right. We see many instances there in the book of Revelation of what is happening to these churches. But you know what they're not getting? Revival. There's something that has took place at that that has extinguished revival from taking place. You see, churches have lost their desire to serve God. Now when I say church, I'm not talking about this old building now. No, I'm talking about you. As I set up last night and into the morning, and got uh, the Lord got real personal with me, and the Word of God started cutting me. It started removing things in my life. It started revealing things to me, and I had to repent of those things. But I'm going to tell you, that's what it's going to take today in America for God's people to be revived. So what is holding us back, God's children? What is holding us back today from true revival? Well, I believe verse 30 tells us, and we're going to get the whole key to this whole passage. The key to revival is the Holy Spirit. Look there in verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Why are we in this spiritual rut? Why are we so spiritually depressed? Why are we so spiritually down? It's because we have grieved the Holy Spirit of God. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? Oh, that's harsh, isn't it? Oh, that's terrible. We have grieved the Holy Spirit of God. We have been holding back revival because of the personal sins in our lives. And then we've held back revival as He come in and corporately worship together. We have held back and grieved the Holy Spirit of God. 
And as the Lord gave me this sermon, and as I went through it, as I said, He put a great cutting on Gary Carter. And into the morning hours, I was sitting there and I saw these things revealed to me of what I wasn't and what God expected me to be. And I repented of them. And they're tough. It is cutting. But I'm going to tell you, I was not called to preach to make friends. I was not called to preach to win popularity contests. I was uh, called to preach to share the gospel with boldness and in truth. You see, the grieving of the Holy Spirit is a uh, common sins that do it. And we're going to look at those common sins. I mean, they're so simple a child can pick up on these. But yet they are conquering God's people in our lives. Look there with me in verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Lying. Now, there are several ways you can lie. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, I do. One way to lie is just a bald-faced lie. Just come out and know it's not truth and just say it is truth and just go on with it. Just stand in front of someone and tell them something that is fabricated, something that is absolutely false. Okay? But then there's also the sin of lying through silence. When you and I know absolute truth and we're confronted with giving that absolute truth and somewhere we are intimidated and not tell the absolute truth, it's also a lie. That's also lying. You know, I I thought, you remember in the uh, fourth chapter of the book of Acts that the, the new church, when the church got established in the book of Acts, it was put together and this church had formed up there. And you remember two people named Ananias and Sapphira? Y'all remember them two people? And they came in here and what they were doing, they was just going to lie. Well, what happened? Uh, Sapphira had, was late. Okay? But Ananias rolls in here and he says, I tell you what, we've done this and we gave it all. And it was a bald-faced lie. And you know what happened to him? He died there on the spot. Then here comes Sapphira. She comes in behind him. Gets there. She don't know her husband's dead. Paul confronts her. She tells the exact same lie that he did. You know what happened? She died too. Something that was interesting to me in that story is said when Ananias died, it said they picked him up and went and buried him. What, did they have a burial committee here and when you was living in the sin or you was lying or you were not doing what God would want you to do and it was brought into the church that God just killed you and these old boys would pick you up and carry you outside and bury you? Lord forbid, I'm going to tell you today if the, uh, uh, if the church of today looked like the church of Acts, we'd be in trouble this morning for the heart of God's people to step into God's house with all the sin that we got on us and never one time say, I'll repent of any of it. Something's bad wrong. But then we see in verse 26, it tells us that be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. Now there's some anger that is not sin. But I'm going to give you a key to that. The way you can be angry and sin not is, is that it's not about you. 
not about you. If it's about you and you get angry in it, it's sin. So I'm going to tell you today that you and I as God's people should be angry about 60 million babies aborted. That's a righteous anger. We can be angry in that and sin not. We don't make it personal about ourselves. We just make it personal about those who can't defend themselves. There is a time for God's people to stand up and get angry about certain things. We've tired around too long. But this is also a great verse that says, not let the sun go down upon your anger. This is good for husbands and wives. Because see, what happens in anger, it sets and festers. And we say, well, I'm too proud. I'm not going to apologize for what I did. She's sitting there saying, I don't have to apologize because I'm not at fault. We go to bed. We wake up the next morning. uh, Everybody's still mad. And you carry that through that day. And it just festers and festers. And it will cause issues. Just a simple little common sin. But it's destroying our churches because we can't have revival because we're grieving the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Oh, no, you didn't get me on that, preacher. You didn't get me there. I know there's times I may say something that's not truth or there may be times that I don't stand up for truth when I should speak up. And there may be times I'm mad at my wife right now. But you're not going to catch me in the one of not giving uh, Satan a place in my life. Well, let me tell you this. You and I, if your child or your grandchild cannot watch a television show, you can't watch it either. Well, I'm grown. Well, I'm going to tell you what happens. uh, If I'm uh, strolling through the channels, and uh, and I like watching the History Channel and National Geographic, but I'm going to tell you, when I get to that place and I see them talking about creation, I'm not going to let a repubate tell me how this world was created because I can go to Genesis and I'll find out the truth of how it was created. I'm not going to give Satan a place to get in in my life and start giving me doubt. But what's happened in our churches today, we've opened up everything. We have ignored the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We have just let that go. And then we wonder why we feel bad. We wonder why we feel defeated in our life. It's because we have forsaken the discipline of grace. Let me explain the discipline of grace to you. You want to feel better in your life, no matter what's going on in your life? You get along with the Lord in your prayer closet. You open up your heart. You sit still, open up your ears. Tell God to move in your life in a great and mighty way and to lead you into the studying of His Word. You get in His Word. You try to find exactly what the Holy Spirit would have for you that day, that Christ would be exalted in it. Then you would forsake not the gathering together of God's people and you'd be prepared to worship when you got to church because you'd be repented up. And there's where revival will start. When the Holy Spirit is grieved, revival cannot come. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. That's the key to this passage of Scripture here. The things which is good that he may have to give to them that need it. He'll say, well, the reason he's stealing, he doesn't have a job. No, that's not what this is talking about. It says you quit stealing. You quit stealing and start working with your hands. What this is a sign of is laziness. It's laziness. 
You see, God takes a very dim view on laziness. Now, our government doesn't. They'll reward you for it. But God don't. God takes a very dim view and is very uh, dogmatic in His Word about what He thinks about lazy people. Let me tell you this. You say, you know what? I want God to use me in my life. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Sitting at the house in your pajama bottoms in a chair and saying, God, you just tell me where to go and I'm going to go. God will not use you. I'll back that up doctrinally. You know where he found Gideon to use him? You remember that? He found him thrashing wheat. See, he was already at work. He was already doing something. God said, you know what? That old boy works pretty hard. He can do something for me when I give him a task. You know where uh, Moses was found went to, and the, uh, walked upon the burning bush and God spoke to him? You know what he was doing? He was on the backside of a desert tending sheep by himself. You remember the story of Samuel comes in to find the, net, uh, the king of Israel and he walks to Jesse, knows if it's of Jesse's house and Jesse puts all his sons out there and they're standing there and he says, they're not here. He's not here. Where's he at? He said, well, I have one son left. He's out tending my sheep. You remember where Jesus found Peter, James, and John? On the seashore. Coming in from fishing. If you want to be used of God, you cannot be lazy in the first part and God use you for anything. Can't be lazy. And then we'll say, well now, this stealing deal and being lazy, I understand that. Well, I, I don't, I'm not going to be a thief. Well, let me tell you something else that we can do in this thievery. And this one of them got me. I'll just confess it to you. You and I can steal God's time. You and I can steal God's talents that's been given us. And you and I can steal God's tithes. Be careful before you say, I'm not a thief. Do you let the Holy Spirit check you out? And what's happened in our churches today, we've put everything before uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If nothing else is going on, we'll make it there. But you know what? Don't ask me to do anything. Don't ask me to give of anything. Don't ask me to do one thing. And I'm going to come and sit there like a knot on a log and not do one thing for He that redeemed me. And you're grieving the Holy Spirit at Calvary Baptist Church. Guilty of grieving Him. But you know what? We can also steal the, uh, a person's reputation by gossip. Well, I don't get what you mean. Well, I'm going to tell you this. You get on Facebook start saying things you don't know to be true. You're stealing an individual's reputation and you're guilty. You're grieving the Holy Spirit with that sin in your life. I believe with all of my heart that uh, this world today needs revival, but I'm not speaking to the world today. I believe that our nation needs revival, but I don't have the audience of our nation. I believe today that, uh, you're not, uh, that Arkansas needs a great spiritual awakening and a revival today. And I but I don't have that as an audience. I believe today that all of Drew County needs to experience revival 
in our lives. But I do not have that congregation before me. But what I do have before me today is where God has sent me and placed me behind the pulpit. And I'm telling you that Calvary Baptist Church needs to be revived and God's people need to get on fire for doing what God would have us to do and repent and quit grieving the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Get in or get out. But do something. Amen. I'll give it to me whether you do or not. But also we see in verse 29, yeah, I'm not through yet. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Is this passage actually telling me that everything that comes out of my mouth is to edify Jesus Christ? Yes. I mean every little word when I'm even at work, when I'm at home, wherever I'm at, every word that proceedeth out of my mouth is to edify the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. That's what God's telling you this morning. Oh, that's even harsher. Boy, it's getting worse the further we go. Profane language, nasty talk, slandering people by tearing them down with your tongue grieves the Holy Spirit and there's no room for it in God's church. If you have a problem and you say, I, you know, I just can't help tear, talk about somebody. Man, it's just the way I am. I was raised that way. Our, our whole family talks about people all the time. It's just in my DNA. Well, I'm going to help you. Tell you what you need to do. When you want to talk about them, you need to get in your prayer closet and tell the Lord about it. That'll help you a whole bunch. And it'll start putting the love of Christ in your life and you'll start seeing them on a different way. And you know something I've found? If I start looking at the mistakes and I start looking at all the things of others, it'll start making me feel pretty good about myself. I wonder how you're thought about in the way you talk. You believe this. If you're a person that just talks about somebody, runs everybody down, you believe that there's big target on your back and they have already targeted you and it ain't good what they've said about you either. I tell you to keep your mouth shut in public. If there's a problem, you go to that person and tell them. If there's not a problem, keep your mouth shut and go to the Lord with it if it bothers you. Because that grieves the Holy Spirit and there's no place for it in God's church. Now I want to share something with you here as we went through this. Verse 30, the whole key that locks this whole thing together about the Holy Spirit. I want you to get this today. Boy, this becomes so personal to me last night as I, I studied this and God showed me in this and God uh, trimmed me up and God convicted me through the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I took this passage and I dwelt on it. I meditated over it. I delighted in it. I got plumb excited when the Lord gave it to me. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be saved. Because it takes the drawing of the Holy Spirit to get you to a saving Jesus. And I, I, as I studied that, I started looking at the work of the Holy Spirit and I... Um, I put myself there as the, the psalmist wrote when he said that I was in this horrible pit. 
Remember that passage that he's down in this horrible pit in this miry clay. He was bogged up. He had no hope. He couldn't ever get out of it. The walls were too high and they were too slick for him to climb out of. He was bogged down in this miry clay and the Holy Spirit revealed to me how that fits me to a T. I remember as a young boy in Dallas County, a place that no one cares anything about except the ones that live there and they may not care much about it. And I thought of the flood that God put back in the banks, that washed tall river, and all that old mud that's over there, kind of buckshot looking mud and red clay that just bog up on you. And I put myself there as the psalmist David when the Holy Spirit of God looked down in there and come down into that miry clay where I was bogged down without hope and no one else was going to get me out. And the Holy Spirit started dealing with me of what I was and the condition I was in. And He said, all you have to do is look up. All you have to do is look up. Look upon the Lord Jesus Christ and He'll come down in this dark, horrible pit where you're bogged down and He'll bring you out and put your feet on solid ground. And that's what happened in my life. And I can proclaim to you today, as Herb Revis said, a great preacher of North Jacksonville Baptist Church, he said, I am so sure of my salvation today that I'll swing across an open pit in hell on a, uh, a rotten vine and I'll shoot Satan in the eye with a water gun because he can't get me because of what Jesus has done in my life. If you don't have that experience, you've missed something because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what He does. But then also in Acts chapter 4 about that story of Ananias and Sapphira, we also see that something happened in chapter 4 verse 31. It says that they started preaching in that. And as they started preaching and they started praying in there, it says that the whole place was shaken. Things started happening. Things started moving when the Holy Spirit of God was not grieved. And our churches today hadn't moved one inch because we've grieved the Holy Spirit. It's time to get our hearts right and turn Him loose in our lives and He'll get turned loose in the community. You know what? Without the Holy Spirit of God today, you here at Calvary Baptist Church, you and me cannot worship unless the Holy Spirit shows up and allows us to. We cannot manufacture worship on our own because, see, it's of the flesh and the things of the flesh are dead. All we can manufacture is death. But when the Holy Spirit gets in there and He's not grieved any longer, He's the one that puts that fire in the hearts of preachers that'll stand behind the pulpit and with boldness proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with an excitement and enthusiasm as it should be broadcasted. He's the one that will stir in the hearts of Sunday school teachers. He's the one that will stir in the hearts of God's people as they gather up on that day that's been set aside that we say it's the Lord's day that will put worship into the church. When the Holy Spirit is grieved, it is dead. You say, well, I'm going to put my best foot forward tomorrow. Well, I'm going to tell you you're going to fail and it. your foot won't get anything but death. What we need is say, Lord, I'm going to just turn my life over to you. I'm just going to confess my sins. I'm going to get right in my life. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit start guiding me in my life. And tomorrow I'm going to let you put me in gear. I'm going to let you move me in the direction I should be. I'm going to quit grieving the Holy Spirit with my life. And I'm going to make sure that I'm exactly what you would have me to be. 
You see in verse 30, it tells us, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you a minute about this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He is a person. See, because you can only grieve a person. A person can only be grieved. I want you to get this. To be grieved is an act of love. If you never loved it, you can't grieve it. It has to be loved. So we're seeing that the Holy Spirit's grieved because there's such great love there. He is in the Godhead. He's the Trinity is laid out before us. And there's a great love that He has before us. And when uh, when we're not doing what we are to do for Jesus Christ, He's grieved. It's an act of love. It's an intimate act of love. Now I'm going to just be real with you today. I'm sure you have good personal friends. But you know friends can be replaced. Sad to say. But they can be. And I'm not saying that if someone dies that's close to you, a great friend of yours, that you're not going to be terribly upset. That you're not going to miss them. And say, oh, I wish, you know, I just spent a little more time there. But I'm going to tell you what. It won't be the same if your wife passes away. She can't be replaced. Because of the intimacy of that love. If there's children and one child passes away, the other child can't take the place of the one that's gone. There will be a great grieving take place because of that intimacy of love for that individual. Today we have a Holy Spirit that belongs to us. He's ours. We are sealed. We belong somewhere. He sealed us until the day of redemption. And when you and I Once we belong to God, there's an ownership on our lives through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and in the guiding of God, the Holy Spirit, we belong to Him. And when we start going after the things of this world and the filth of this flesh, it will grieve Him. And it shuts down His authority and power in your life. Now, He's still just as strong but you're shutting down the ability for God to move in your life. You hear people say, boy, oh, I wish I could get more of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you this. You've got all of Him you can ever get when you got saved. The Holy Spirit will not spare Himself or pull Himself back and give someone else more of Him than He gives to me. I have all of Him. When you get saved, you have all the Holy Spirit you can get. The problem is is that you uh, will not deal with the sin that's in your life the way you should. And He can't move because He's grieved. I'm challenging Calvary Baptist Church this morning on the authority of God's Word. We need revival. We need to quit in, uh, grieving the Holy Spirit with the filth of our lives, the sin that's in our lives. If there's sin in your life this morning, you need to come to the altar, repent of it, and get right because you're holding something back. And God don't have to let you hold nothing back. Ask Ananias. Sapphira. And if there's things in your life that you're not seeing through the moving of the Holy Spirit, when we turn over lordship to Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, I need you to move in my life. Show me the things that I can't see because I'm not qualified to look at the filth in my life. I'll miss the bad things in my life because I'm not good enough to see them. I need you to move in my life. Reveal them to me so I can confess them and not grieve God, the Holy Spirit, with my life. 
if right now, as he is, Jesus Christ was sitting right beside you, could you look at him and say, Lord, you know I'm doing everything I could for you? I believe I'm exactly where you would have me to be in my life. If not, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for your word.